we are continuing our theme about living the third day in the series of living the third day. We're nearly coming to an end. Can I hear an amen? I know who that was. Okay. Okay, you were at the top of my prayer list, but now you're, you've plummeted. You have plummeted right down, okay? And I'm going to read in a few moments from Judges chapter 20. Judges 19 and 20 is an incredible story. It's a, uh, it'd be an incredible movie. However, it would be an 18 certificate. To be honest, if you read, and there's a lot of stuff in the Bible which is incredible. It'd be incredible movies. This is something we have an atrocity. We're not going into all the details. There's like a moral sexual abuse case. There was murder involved in the previous chapter in an area belonging to the tribe of Benjamin. And you can read about it at your own leisure. We're not going to get into all that happened. I want to focus for a few minutes on the response of of Israel. And I'm reading from Judges chapter 20, from verse 11 through to the end of the chapter. Just to encourage you a bit, this is a long scripture reading, so you can expect a short message. Okay, it might be false expectation, but you can live with it anyway. There's been atrocity in Benjamin. The rest of Israel are not happy about it. They want to do something about it. They've contacted Benjamin, this tribe that happened, the atrocity, a bad thing, which is happening, ended in murder. In verse 11 from chapter 20 from New American, uh, sorry, from the New Living Translation says this, So all the Israelites were completely united, and they gathered together to attack the town. Where it happened, the Israelites sent messengers to the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What a terrible thing has been done among you. Give up those evil men, those troublemakers from Gibeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of this evil. But the people of Benjamin would not listen. Instead, they came from the towns and gathered at Gibeah to fight the Israelites. In all, 26,000 of their warriors, armed with swords, arrived in Gibeah to join the 700 elite troops who lived there. Among Benjamin's elite troops, 700 were left-handed. Each of them could sling a, a rock and hit a target with a, then a hair's breadth without missing. These left-handed people really annoy you, don't they? My history teacher says all geniuses in history were left-handed. Though he was biased because he was left-handed. But he did rattle off quite a number of well. Israel had 400,000 experienced soldiers armed with swords, not counting Benjamin's warriors. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah and they advanced towards the bit I can't see. They advanced towards Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin's warriors who were defending the town came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took the positions again at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord had said, go out and fight against them. So the next day they went out again to fight against the men of Benjamin, but the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. 
They brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Bethel. And Phineas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron, was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord says, go, tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites set an ambush all around Gibeah. They went out on the third day and took the possessions of the same place as before. When the men of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town as they had done before. They began to kill the Israelites. About 30 Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads, one leading to Bethel, the other leading to Gibeah. And the warriors of Benjamin shouted, we are defeating them as we did before. But Israelites had planned in advance to run away so all the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from the town. When the main group of Israelite warriors reached Baal Tamar, they turned and took up their positions. Meanwhile, the Israelites, hiding in the ambush to the west of Gibeah, jumped up to fight. The 10,000 elite Israelite troops who advanced against Gibeah, the fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin. And that day, the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin's warriors, all of whom were experienced swordsmen. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. The Israelites had retreated from Benjamin's warriors in order to give those hiding in ambush more room to maneuver against Gibeah. Then those who were hiding rushed in from all sides and killed everyone in the town. They had arranged to send up a large cloud of smoke from the town as a signal. When the Israelites saw the smoke, they turned and attacked Benjamin's warriors. By that time, Benjamin's warriors had killed about 30 Israelites, and they shouted, We're defeating them, as we did in the first battle. But when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them and saw the smoke rising into the sky from every part of the town, the men of Israel turned and attacked. At this point, the men of Benjamin became terrified because they realized disaster was close at hand. So they turned around and fled before the Israelites towards the wilderness, but they couldn't escape the battle, or the people who came out of nearby towns were also killed. The Israelites surrounded the men of Benjamin and chased them relentlessly, finally overtaking them east of Gibeah. That day, 18,000 of Benjamin's strongest warriors died in battle. The survivors fled into the wilderness toward the Rock of Rimmon, but Israel killed 5,000 of them along the road. They continued the chase until they had killed another 20, or 2,000, sorry, near Gedim. Gedim. So that day, the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 strong warriors armed with swords, leaving only 600 men who escaped to the Rock of Rimmon, where they lived for four months. And the Israelites returned and slaughtered everything in all the towns, the people, the livestock, and everything they found. They also burned down all the towns they came to. That was a story and a half. Yeah, glad you didn't live in those days. Incredible story here, and just to pick up on one or two points that we can learn from it here. So trust if you look at the story, Israel here, they have got the moral high ground in this story, so to speak. They, they recognize there's something here which is wrong and we need to deal with it. We can't let it go. It needs punished. They were in the right. There were also 400,000 of them compared with 26,700 in the other camp. The priest of the Ark of the Covenant was in their territory. Bethel, 
which is the house of God, and the Ark of the Covenant carried the presence of God, was on their side. So basically, Israel had a lot going for it here against Benjamin. If you went to bookies, Israel were odds on, favorites here. I'm not encouraging you to go to bookies, but if you'd, before you met Jesus and you went there, Israel were heavy favorites here. They were right, they were on the right. If there was an old black and white cowboy or western film, Israel would be wearing the white hats and Benjamin would be wearing the black hats because that's the way you distinguish when you're watching them. They're the good guys, they're the not so good guys. Israel was the good guys in this case. They had the presence of God, they had the right cause, they had everything going for them. However, living in a fallen world does not necessarily mean that everything is great and everything is easy and everything is plain sailing. We have an enemy who still goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Or you can look at the analogy of Goliath must fall. He's dead, but he's still deadly because he's a serpent in the head still spitting out venom. So we live in that world, and just because we are right, just because we've got God on our side, just because our cause is right, doesn't necessarily mean that everything is hunky-dory, plain sailing, easy. There's always issues and always problems, and we want to look at Israel here and dealing with this issue. And the Israelites started off well, they had a power, they recognized the power of unity. At the start of our, our reading, it says the Israelites were completely united gathered together to attack the town. Basically, they got together with a good cause and a sense of unity. God's into unity. You can't get away from the fact that God's into unity. If you read the Psalm 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to live in unity. Because on to say by reference to another town, implication for there, God commands blessing. God commands blessing. There has to be a sense of unity. In Ephesians 4 and 3 in the New Testament says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Fight to keep unity. Always try and go for peace as best you can. It's not always easy. But the Bible does say, Matthew, when Jesus recounted his Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. God is into peace. And he says in Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. However, it's not always possible. And you can have peace. And in this instance, it's okay and to try your best at peace. But sometimes people will reject that. And here, Benjamin and Israel here tried to deal with this in as small a manner as possible. But Benjamin rejected that. They opposed it. They were for none of it. And we need to try and we can aim for peace. But sometimes we need to deal with stuff when people don't accept it. There's sometimes we need to have a stand and we need to deal with things rather than just peace at any price. And Israel had to deal with this. But they started off not only with a power of unity, but they had a promise of victory, or the presumption of victory, sorry, before the battle. Israelites went to Bethel, they asked God, which tribe should go first into this? Who should go first when we're going to attack Benjamin? God says Judah is the first one to go, and we know that Judah means praise. 
And you need to go on this Israelite journey for a while. We're just going through the story, then ending up with a, a point to finish it with, which applies to us. Go on the journey with Israel. We've got this. This is bad. We try to talk to them. They're not having none of it. Okay, we need to deal with this. There's an injustice. There's an unrighteousness here. We need to deal with it. Okay, there's 400,000 of us. We've got God on our side. We've got the cases all right. We're okay. This is okay. We're going to do this. Just God, God, just tell us who should go first into this. And he says, Judah, because praise is always first. reason we start our meetings with a time of praise is because he deserves first place. And it also changes the atmosphere. And it's also a spiritual weapon. So we sing songs like, that was a great song. We finish there. This is, I don't know who wrote the song. You've done it again. Elevation Worship, seen for great song. I just, there's a point I'm just going to make there. Along the lines, it's about when you're that, when the time is that, my heart will sing your praise again. Okay, just let me pick up on that a little bit. Make that again now. Even in the dark place, make that I will sing your praise again today, even though I'm in a dark place. Because you don't need to wait. When Paul and Silas at midnight in a dark place in a prison cell sang praises and something broke in the atmosphere and broke in the change. So it's a great song, but don't make it, I'll, I, in, in a year's time or when I come through this, I will sing your praise again. It says, all right now, Lord, I'm going to sing your praise again. I'm going to sing your praise again today and tomorrow and the next day. And praise changes the atmosphere. And they were going in with the right source, the right attitude. They were going in praising God. Let's send Judah first and the battle will be won, the old song says. Some of you will remember it, but we're not going to sing it. Send you the first. We are right. We have got God on our side. We are okay. This it's not. And come to God. It's not how do, how do it's not should we go and fight. It's how do we fight here? Judah, take Judah. Go with them first. He's worthy. So what happens? They've got the right cause. They've got God on their side. They've got the cause is right. They're sending praise. They're praising God. They're going into battle. They're, we are right, there's 400,000 of us, there's 26,700 of them, let's go and fight, we're, we're good guys, we're, we're the guys, so let's go and fight, so they go out in a fight, and the first day, 22,000 killed. Not a great start, is it? Day one, they go, and they lose 22,000 people in battle, which is almost as much as the opposing army, to be honest. So what do you do when you get beat like that? When you've got a defeat, when you get hammered like that, it shouldn't happen. This should not happen. We shouldn't have lost this battle. We are the good guys. We, we've, got, we've got so much going for us, and yet we've lost 22,000. So what do you do? Well, you could do what the Israelites did. They had a debrief meeting. They got together again, and they said, listen, uh, let's, let, let's just encourage ourselves. Okay, they got lucky. It was beginner's luck. We just weren't focused enough. We're better than that. We can do this again. That's what he says. That's me adding on. He says, but they encouraged each other and took up the positions just like before. Hey, we're better than them. Don't know what happened, but lightning doesn't strike twice. We go. Let's high five each other. In fact, let's practice our celebration dance. You ever seen, if you like football and you see people and they score a goal and, they, and, and I sometimes think they've spent more time practicing their dance than they have practiced now to kick a ball at the time. 
This is what Israel did. They get in the canoe, they celebrate, they high five. Hey, hey, guy, just a bad day at the office. Let's go again. It's just a fluke. It's never going to happen again. Don't know what went wrong, but they can't do it twice. We can't get beat twice in a row. Let's just go. You're great. You're a great warrior. Well, I've seen you. You can do it better. Let's just focus a bit more. That was the canoe atmosphere. That was the canoe attitude they went with here. And let's go again. We'll be a bit more focused. This time, we're going to win. Because a good big one is always going to be a good small one. We are the good guys. This is going to be okay. Let's just go for it again. Oh, by the way, some of us need to go to a prayer meeting. They went to pray. Some of them went to pray. If you read the scripture, they went before the Lord after day one and said, hey, should we fight again? Just some of them that say went up and they just say, hey, Lord, should we do this again? Should we go here again? And the day one's attitude, well, we're going to win this. Who do we send first? Second day, well, let's just ask God. We better just ask God if, if this is okay. So they just can they go, some of them, ask God. And God says, hey, go for it. Your cause is right. It's injustice. It's good to fight injustice. It's good to fight unrighteousness. You need to take a stand. This is, this is right, what you're doing. So I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is right. Just go for it. So they go out in day two, and they have had a better day than they did in day one. Only 18,000 lost their lives in the second day. Okay, which is an improvement in 22,000, you've got to admit. Okay, so first day, we lost 22,000. Second day, we lost 18,000. That's like a tide of their army gone in two days in the battle here. 10% of them gone in two days. Not great. And it wasn't just the one novices. It says here, it says that all 18,000 were experienced with the sword. And not novices. They were experienced warriors who knew what they were doing. Put it into our context, these were not new young Christians. These were not new people who followed Jesus and didn't know about the armor of God and how to uh, defend or attack against the enemy. These were experienced soldiers and warriors, and they went out and they get hammered again. They get beat up. They lost again. This is getting serious. We keep losing battles we shouldn't be losing. It's what's going on here in Israel. We keep losing these battles to these inferior lot. It's like Scotland should never get beat with England to anything, but we do. They're inferior to us. They, there's no way, but we keep losing stuff. We nearly get beat with Italy at rugby yesterday. But there's an attitude of, hey, United should never get beat with command. Well, they don't. No, that's another story. <laughs> Sorry. Better edit that. <laughs> they ask, we keep losing battles. We shouldn't lose. Have you ever been there? Hey, we've got God on our side. There are more for us than against us. But we keep losing battles. We keep losing things, and the enemy comes and they can beat us. So they had another prayer meeting. But notice this time it says, all the Israelites went up to Bethel. They went up to the presence of the Lord. They prayed and they fasted till evening. Now what I want to tell you, and I've said this and I'm going to continue saying it, there's a battle going on. There's an incredible battle going on. And we need all the church to come together and to pray and fast more than we've ever done. April will be a month 
of prayer and fasting. We'll speak a bit more about that. But we're believing we need to see breakthrough in salvations, in healings, in miracles, in finance. We need a breakthrough. In Israel, this is getting serious. This is a serious battle. Before, there was a bit of nonchalance. Hey, we're okay. We're the winners. Hey, we're the good guys. We're, we're, we're going to win. This is okay. But they got to a place to recognize there's a serious battle going on. And even though we've got God on our side, even though we're the, we're the good guys, even though we're righteous cause we're standing for, we're still getting hammered. There's still an attack taking place and things and people are getting hurt and damaged. And you look at that, Mary. People have lost fathers, brothers, sons. We've lost friends. We've lost my brother. I've lost my sister. Not my sister, but lost my father. I lost my son. This is getting serious. There's people getting damaged here. We need to do something about it. And then the whole of Israel came together and said, God, we need you. We're coming to you. We're crying out to you. We're praying. We're fasting. We're bringing prayer. We're bringing what we can. God, we need you. We're calling unto you. We need your help. And I want to tell you, there's a battle going on in your life and all over the place because I hear stories from different places. But I believe we need to come together like never before. And we need to come before God. We need to pray. We need to fast. And we need to cry out. And then see breakthrough. If you're reading your daily reading today in Mark 9, uh, people come to Jesus and says, uh, these guys couldn't cast out this demon. Uh, and Jesus came, and the disciples came and says, how can we not do that? And Jesus says, this can only come out by prayer. Basically saying your prayer life's no good enough. You need to pray more. You need to seek God more. You need to take authority more. It's because you're not praying enough that these things, you couldn't do it. And I want to tell you as a church, we need to come together like never before and cry out to God and pray and fast and see breakthrough in so many areas in our life. I don't want to see people getting hurt and people getting injured and people getting sicknesses and illness. I want to see people getting healed. I want to see people getting saved and come to faith. I want to see financial breakthrough. I want to see restoration and reconciliation. And we need to come together. And we need to come before God like Israel came. Two days, we're fed up getting beat. We're fed up losing. We need to come before you, God. We're crying out to you. We recognize we need you and we're coming. And we're all coming together and we're crying out to you. And we're saying, God, help us. What shall we do? This is what happened here. We need to do that. And I'm quickly moving on to my points. It says, first day, oh, we're going to win this. Just tell us how we should go. On you go, just send you the first. Second day, some of them go, hey, this was a bit of a bad day. Should we go again? God said, yes, go again. But then it gets here. We've lost two days. First day, we've lost. Second day, we've lost. Then the third day says, all of Israel has come together. We've lost men, we've lost territory. And even though we are right, even though we are more for us and against us, even though God's in our side, we've got the presence of God, we've got the house of God, we've lost 22,000, we've lost 18,000. Should we stop and acknowledge defeat? Is it time just to quit? And God says, no, don't quit, you keep going. You keep going, but something's going to change. Something's going to change. Something is going to be different tomorrow. There must have been a lot of heart. Uh, loss. There must have been a lot of struggle. There must have been, just imagine yourself, you're one of them. This must have been soul destroying to go out there knowing that this is the righteous. We're in the right. We're we are the good people, but there's still bad stuff's happening and people are getting hurt and people around about us. There's something and they come and they went up and they went and they came. God, we need your help. We need your direction. We need you to help us. And we've tried in our own strength. That's it. Well, for what day one and two, we have tried in our own strength. We have tried in our own strength and we can't, we recognize that maybe that's not enough. Maybe our own strength is not enough. Lord, help us, Lord, show us what we should do. How do we overcome? And then God gave him a promise. He says, God says, I'll tell you what, guys, you go tomorrow. 
you go tomorrow. Here's my promise to you guys. Go tomorrow because I'm going to hand them over to you. I will, I will give them into your hand. I will deliver them to you. Fight because I will hand them over you tomorrow. And there was a cry going out, why tomorrow? We've tried that day one and tried to, but we're, uh, we've got beat. But we recognize we've done it in our own strength and we recognize it didn't work. But why is tomorrow going to be different? And then God says, this is why tomorrow is going to be different. Because tomorrow is the third day. That's why. And day one and day two, you were defeated. But day three is a different day. There's a different concept. There's a different principle at stake. Because tomorrow is the third day. And the third day is a day of victory. And you're going to live in the day of victory. Because the third day of living means living in the victory. And it's not about you, it's about me. It says Jesus rose from the dead and the third day, we'll celebrate that in a little while. He rose victorious over death, hell, the grave, which was a great, death was the greatest foe mankind could ever face. But you know what? On, Easter, on the third day, Jesus rose to declare victory over death, which was the greatest foe. And I want to tell you, he wasn't just rising to declare victory over death. He was declaring victory over every other opposition and everything else that gets us and defeats us. The third day living is living in a sense that Jesus is victorious and we live in the victory and the promise of his victory over our lives. Hallelujah. Told you it get good at the end, but it's, in, it's not your strength of fighting anymore. It's mine. It's my victory. Because in yourself, you've already acknowledged you're less than conquerors. But with me, you're more than conquerors. One version says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I want to tell you, sometimes we get defeated with things and uh, we lose things. But I want to tell you, that's not the norm. That's not our status. Our status is overwhelming victory in spite of, or in despite these things, despite us losing once or twice, our place is victory in Jesus. And the third day was a day of victory. They went out in the third day and they took their positions as at before, as they did before. They need to look at that, remember that. They went from presumption of victory to a promise of victory in the third day. But if you read the story, or we read the story, they went out and just took up the positions like before. It looked the same. The second day, they went out. The Judah was first. And they went out saying, let's go, Israel, let's go. Let's go, Israel, let's go. And all the rest of it. The third day. And a presumption that Israel was going to win. But that was only day two. But we don't live in the presumption, we live in the promise. We live in the promise of day three. And then they went out on day three. This is where the band's going to come up. I'm going to sing it Can I just now. We're not finished yet. I've still got 12 pages. No, but just come up just now anyway. Okay. Let's do day one and two. They're going out with, let's go, Israel, let's go. But then God comes and says, third day, I've got a promise I'm going to give them. So then they go out saying, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. Come on. Come on. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemy defeated, we will shout it out, shout it out. Come on, this is day three. Folks, we live in day three. We don't live in let's go new life, let's go. We live in God is fighting for us. God has fought the battle. He's the victor. Keep playing it if you want. I don't mind. 
Okay, I'm just going to finish. I'm coming to a point. They're going out in this thing. They're going out in the promise of God. And you need to look and you need to recognize this point here. They went out and it just seemed like it was the day before. It just seemed like it was day one and it was day two. And the, e- the enemy even started shouting, we are defeating them as we did before. Surely they're defeated before us as in the first battle. But you know what? This day was different. This day was the third day. And it says here in the New the NIV translation says, The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. And on that day, the Israelites struck down 25,000 Benjamites, all armed with a sword. You know what? They had a different attitude in day three. Day one and two says, we can do this. But then they recognize it's not our strength that does it. We fight from his victory and with his power within us. So they went out in the promise of God's fighting for us. God's going to defeat the enemy. God's going to do it for us. And here's where I'm getting to in closing. The third day was a day of victory. And I love the phrases it's used against Benjamin here. It says, Benjamin did not realize the impending disaster was about to take place. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. The men of Benjamin became terrified because they realized disaster was close at hand. It says, and then listen, then Israel went and burned all the towns where the enemy had been living. And see, when you burn something, it's gone. Here's the implication or the application for us. The enemy's beat you so many times. He's defeated you. That same habit keeps beating you. That same family situation that comes knocks you and knocks you down and beats you. That same attitude you know is not right, but it keeps coming in difficult times and gets you down. That regret that you keep being reminded of by the enemy and it pulls you down. That mistake or that failure that you made, and every now and again the enemy comes and reminds you of it and it pulls you down and defeats you and makes you less than God's called you to be. And I can apply anything. That same sickness that you think you're getting over, but it keeps coming back and it defeats you. And it brings you down. You're defeated. You keep saying, oh, I can beat this. I can go over this. But it keeps rearing its ugly head and it defeats you. And it's the same thing that constantly keeps coming. And just sometimes you think you're getting it, but it knocks you down again. I want to tell you today, today's a different day. Today's a third day. And the enemy doesn't know that disaster's about to happen. He doesn't know or he's got an awareness because he's saying, oh no, they're going to be living in the third day. They're going to live in the victory that Jesus Christ has won for them. And today I know the people in here and the same thing keeps getting you and it keeps knocking you and it keeps defeating you in your life. That's not your norm, folks. Your norm is living in victory. But today, it's not about you trying to get the victory in your own strength. It's coming before him and says, Lord, I'm, just, I'm taking some of your third day victory into my life. I'm beginning living in the victory that you accomplished for me. I'm living the overwhelmingly victorious, conquering life that third day living means. Because a third day is a day of victory. And listen, this is a serious issue today. And I like us all, if you can, to stand.
we will not be shaken. Israel went out day one, day two. They were doing it in their own strength and they had a good cause. That God was for them. They were the good guys. They were the God followers. They were standing for righteousness and for God's word and for God's honor and for his name. But the enemy still managed to defeat them. But that's not the norm. That's not where we are. Because when Jesus rose, he rose for us to live in the victory of the third day. But then God defeated them. But they came all together and said, Lord, we need you. And God says, it's okay, I've given you a promise of victory. And they get out and start living in the third day. And they've been out. And today the enemy is going to run because we're going to declare victory over your life. And the things that I'm getting you down, and I'm not going to pray individually for you, but if you know there's an area, I'm not even going to ask you, but if you know there's an area which has got you down defeated, why don't you take a step out to the front and say, listen, you know what? I'm declaring that I'm living in the victory from now on. This is my day, and I'm just going to pray a general mm-hmm. prayer that God, mm-hmm. the victory which is overwhelmingly ours, is going to come in. So you're not going to be defeated by that habit, by that attitude, by that mistake, by that failure which keeps coming back and back again. Because I'm declaring over your life that this is a day of victory, that we live in the victory which is Christ. God is fighting for us, yes, yes. pushing back the darkness. Yes. We will not be shaken. We will not. The kingdom's been lighted up in a new world. So if you've got an area in your life, you know, you just keep getting beat. You know what? is, I don't need any details, it just keeps rearing its ruggle head and you think you're winning it and you're trying your own strength but it just keeps coming and it knocks you and it knocks you down and knocks you for six again and you feel rubbish and you feel lousy and you feel that, but I want to tell you, the enemy's going to come and he's going to come in and save your life, that thing that we used to get these Christ followers to get down about, those things that used to get them turning away from God and stop reading the Bible and feeling lousy about themselves, do you know what, it's something's changed within them, because something has changed. They're not but falling for it anymore. They're standing in the victory and the power of the risen Christ and we can't touch them anymore because Hallelujah. they're living in His victory. Because it's His victory over our life. And if that's you, we're gonna, you're okay, that's great. But for those that from you, just going to cl- declare victory over their lives. We're going to proclaim victory this morning in this earth. Thank you, Lord, for the victory which is ours in Christ Jesus. Lord, we look at these people, Lord, and Lord, we cry, Lord, that victory is theirs in Jesus' name. We declare we're not going to pray over we're just going to lay hands and just declare victory over you we're not going to ask you what it is we're just going to pray lay hands and just declare victory while we praise God we're going to have a Judah time Judah's going to be sent for us and we're praying that there's victory and we're going to pray so if you want uh, those minutes just come and pray over them but just don't ask them what it is but just pray victory just speak victory speak life speak victory Lord we believe that victory is overwhelmingly ours in Jesus Christ Lord I don't know what is handed these people. I don't know what the enemies come and flung at them. I don't know what keeps reoccurring and causing them to be less than. But today, we clear third day victory over their lives. We declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and victorious and we declare that they will live from now on in the victory which is ours in Christ Jesus. We say enemy, you need to run. We are burning even your place of abode in our area and we declare that you are no longer the victor but Jesus Christ has made us and have the victor and Lord whatever is hindered whatever is not bad this is not day one this is not day two but this is day three this is living in third day victory and tomorrow it will be still third day and the day after will be third day and every day from 
now on, it's third day, victory in Jesus Christ. Lord, we declare that you are the overwhelming conqueror, the victor, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who's conquered death, hell, sin, and every other foe which is opposes your name and your people. And Lord, right now, let your victory come into lives and we will now walk in the freedom and the victory which is ours in Jesus Christ. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the king.